Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my 20s. On this episode, I spoke with Shaba. I had so much fun chatting with her. I was scrolling through Facebook groups one day, and I'm part of a TikTok Facebook group. And I was looking through it, and I found one of her posts, clicked on her post, saw her profile, and her TikTok videos, and I was like, this is so smart, the way that she's using TikTok, and she's really using it to build her personal brand and her business at the same time. I found it so fascinating how she creates these funny, informative videos. You guys should definitely check her out. And I had so much fun chatting with her. We talk about how she started her business, what's like hosting these events, what type of detail goes into these events, and how she really caters it towards her clients, how she's been able to grow on TikTok, and so much more. So I hope you guys enjoy listening. So thank you so much, Java, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. I'd love to know about your story. Tell me what your journey's been like so far. Yeah, of course. So my name is Shava Grant. Um, I actually live in Hawaii right now, um, and I own Vita Chic Event. So I'm um, a wedding. I'm an event planner, but I primarily focus on weddings. That's what I really, really absolutely love to do. So that's my focus. Um, I started out really... Funny enough, I started out um, not doing events at all. <laughs> um, so this was not my, I you know, didn't come out of the room thinking, I can't wait to, you know, weddings is my destiny. I, I know some people grow up, I get a lot of, like, um, younger girls on different social media platforms that are um, so gung-ho, and they're like, oh my gosh, I've wanted to be a wedding planner since I was, like, three. And to me, that's amazing, because I didn't have in my you know, teens and 20s even, I really didn't have, until about my mid-20s, a direct path. I was not like, this is what, you know, I really want to do this thing. People would ask me when I was younger what I would do, and every answer would be different. I I wanted to be an interior designer at one point. I was drawing clothes when I was like seven. Like, I was all into clothes and fashion and textiles, and I just, it jumped all over the map. And then at one point, I was like, I, le- I love to paint. Horrible at it, right? But I was like, I love to paint. I could totally be a painter. I loved, you know, being in art galleries and the way, the feeling that you felt when you walked in the art gallery. So my brain, like, was all over the place. But in essence, I'm a creative. So <laughs> so anything creative just kind of gets my juices going. So um, I'm always, like, so um, amazed by people that are like, I, I, you know, I really want to do X, Y, and Z, and that's what they really want to do. And they pursue that even when they're really young because that was not – um, the way it went for me at all. Um, so I really started out in my teens. I started working when I was in my teens, 16. Like, as soon as you could start working, I would hit the ground running and kind of dabbled in different things. But I was, I worked in an office for a little bit. Could not stand that. Um, I worked um, at, in food service. Could not stand that. I worked in catering. Um, that was something that I, I liked because I really loved people, but I really did jump around a lot. At one point, I was a, um, this is so funny, people don't, a lot of people don't know this about me, but at one point for a couple of years, I actually worked as, um, at a theme park as park prep, which was basically cleaning. So I was in charge of like everyone. I even did like videos, like ex- explanation videos or, um, SOPs, standard operating procedures for cleaning toilets and cleaning restrooms for, um, for you know, big theme parks and things like that. So I definitely, it was not a straight and narrow path, you know, to this. I wasn't, I didn't think about 
leading a company. I didn't think about doing event planning or anything like that. So yeah, my path has definitely been um, all over the place, but I love where I am now. So <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> and what is it about events that you're like, I need to plan these events? Oh yeah. So um, the way that I kind of got into event planning was I worked um at actually doing corporate events. I was doing a desk job for um, the VP of operations at a theme park. And he was, I I had to, I became his personal assistant or his assistant because he said I was very detail oriented and all that and kind of pulled me from my position to do that specifically and kind of manage, you know, everything that's going on with him. But I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely could not stand it. And after about four months, I went to his office and I'm like, I cannot stay. Like, I can't. I hate being in an office. You know, I look forward to, to literally going to the restroom or just moving around so I can, like, talk to people on the way there. I just could not stand it. He said, well, I have this position open um, to do events and catering and events. Um, and it's a management position over in this area. And I thought, okay, well, anything is better than sitting in an office. I could, you know, let me try that out. Um, because I was, I was already in management. So he kind of shifted me over there. Um, thinking, thinking that it would be better. And I fell in love with doing events. I, I was like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, and really, really loved it. But at that time I was doing mostly corporate events, but I still absolutely loved it. Um, so I was doing, I started to do larger events, like we were a large area, right? So we could do, I did Google at one point, um, we did IBM when IBM was really a thing. We did all kinds of stuff. We did concerts. We had Jessica Simpson and Brett Michaels and all kinds of people. Um, so I was doing that side of events and I absolutely loved it. But someone asked me one day to do a wedding and I had never done a wedding before. And I was about 25, 26 at this point. And um, I thought, okay, how hard can it be? I'm, I'm an event planner. I can plan a wedding. No big deal. Um, so I kind of jumped into that with her. And, oh, my gosh, it was completely different. Um, hit night and day, night and day. And, um, but what I learned from that was um, I, I really fell in love with weddings at that point. Um, because whereas, you know, doing corporate events was great because I was around people and that was kind of my thing. I really loved pe people and being creative and trying to figure out, you know, what, what it was to take them, um, take their guests from, okay, I'm coming to this thing to, oh my God, that was so, that was so amazing. Telling people about it afterwards. I really loved that aspect of it. It was so rewarding. Um, whereas uh, all the other jobs I had, there was no reward for what I did every day. I would go do my job. I could come home and like, that's it. Like I would forget that I even worked at you know, said place because there was no reward from it. Um, so when I jumped into events, it was like instant gratification because I, every day at the end of the event, know if I did amazing or if I did not do so good, I got that feedback too. Um, so it was just, it was such a great way for me to really, to feel like I was doing something that actually mattered. And to other people, you know, it, it is really hard when you are in that kind of rat race trying to figure yourself out. If you get no feedback or there's no reward or no, you know, even even feedback on the other direction that you really just feel like it does, it feels very raw, right? You don't feel like there's much direction, that anything really matters, just kind of doing your thing to make money and then you're coming home and trying to forget that you have, that you have to work, you know? Um, so, yeah, so I ended up, I'll cut back to my story, I ended up doing my first wedding and loved it, and um, 
after about three or four, a couple of other people after that. Because from every wedding, you have a few people that are also getting married. So from that, um, a couple other people asked me to do weddings. And I was doing it kind of on the side because it didn't conflict with my job because I was doing completely all corporate events. And so I started doing weddings on the side. And I just absolutely loved it. I mean, I would plan wedding, weddings with people and, like, meet their whole family. And their moms at the end would hug me and tell me, you know, they couldn't have done this without me and all kinds of stuff. And just that, like... The instant gratification and uh, just the amazing feedback that I was getting from people was just like, it was such a high for me because I had never had that from any other job, really. Um, And I actually, I have three of my best friends are my best friends, and I didn't even know them before I did weddings because you're just so intimately involved with them. You know about their aunts, you know about you know, they're, what they cry about, what their pain points are, like, what you just get all that information through the whole planning process. And so, yeah, I have, like, my 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 best friend is a an ER doctor, and um, she came to me, she was freaking out of her wedding, she tried to plan it all herself, and uh, it was in a different state. We lived in, I was in Texas at that point, and we both lived in Texas, and she was trying to plan a wedding in Kansas City where her family was. And so long story short, she flew me out there and I did her wedding and we're like now best friends because just because of the extreme, like I helped her through a time that was very difficult. And, um, and so it's things like that that really draw me back to this, uh, to this or drew me back at that point to doing weddings because it was just so amazing. And I just absolutely loved it. There was nothing more gratifying than that. It, even in my relationships, you know, it was like, there was nothing more gratifying than, than putting on these events, making it amazing, and just having everyone be so grateful at the end. Mm-hmm. What does the wedding p- planning process look like? Like, how long does it take? How involved are you? Yeah. Do you go with, like, your brides to go help choose a dress? Like, what does it look like? Yeah, it's so different for every person because every person is different, and what they want from you is different. So it's just like a relationship, right? You're kind of feeling out like what you're comfortable with. Um, and then also we have different packages. So some packages are just day up. So we'll come in 30 days before, kind of wrap up your details of whatever you've already planned. And then we'll carry out your plan. Whatever you've done, we'll, we'll take the reins and kind of carry that out. Up to full service packages where I literally hold your hand every time you go to get your, your, your you know, your dress fitted. And, um, go chase cakes with you. Ah, that's my favorite part. <laughs> um, go, you know, do your tastings and you all that, all of those things I'm involved with you. So it really depends on what you want. And also, even if we're full service and you were like, yeah, I'm, I really want to pick this dress out by myself. I don't want any outside interference. Then I won't do that with you. It's just, it's really about whatever it is that the bride or the couple, um, really wants and where, where their um, deficits are. So if they're like, I'm super stressed about cake. I don't even want to worry about that. I don't. Then I will make make decisions for them. If they're like, I just want you to handle, you know, this me through this whole process. I will do that. So just, I just try to make it as um, signature, at, you know, as specific to what it is that you need. Because the whole point of having a planner is to kind of relieve some of that stress. If you really love making, you know, name tags, and that's something you absolutely want to do and that's helpful and that makes you feel like you're involved and you know it's like your wedding is moving forward then I want you to do that I really 
really, you know, I want to take just, that. That's the whole point of me is I just want to take that off your shoulders. So like I said, I just, from, from beginning to end, or if you just want me to take the reins at the end, it's totally up to whatever the couple wants. Do they like come to you with like their Pinterest board? How do they get the ideas oh, for their wedding? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, oh, so yeah, the process kind of is, um, you just, we start off of you telling me exactly what kind of planning you want, how in depth you want it. And then we kind of work through which package you kind of fit into. And then from there, I mean, we've, we've planned everything from little elopements. I mean, little beach elopements where it's just you and your honey, um, at sunset on the beach, um, up to events that are like, you know, you have 1200 people that you want a four course meal for. So it really depends on what it is you're kind of looking for. And it always fluctuates throughout the process, especially if it's like a longer term. Most people plan in about a year. So I have some people that are booked out till 2022 and they, and they booked the end of the last year. So they are three years out. So it really depends on where they are. Like, if people are attached to a date, which a lot of people are, um, then it really just depends on where you are in the process to be able to kind of take you from that point to, you know, to the end. And do you have, like, a favorite event that you've planned so far? Um, my favorite events really don't have anything to do with me. They have everything to do with how the couple feels at the end of the night. So I've had events where everything has gone flawlessly and they were beautiful and they were amazing and they were, you know, had spent all this money and just had made it just the most amazing event and it's gone so well. And then at the end of the night, they just, you know, their mom wasn't very supportive or something had happened and kind of messed it up for them. And that just completely messed it up for me um, because at the end of the day, I want you to act you know, at the end of the event, I want you to feel like this is the most amazing day of my life. And other things, I mean, I mean, different things like family members or, you know, especially this coronavirus, they clearly, people that are even continuing on with doing a little bit of stuff aren't, don't have that warm and fuzzy feeling at the end of the night. And for me, that's a bust, even if everything has gone exactly to plan. So that, for me, that is the most important thing. And so all of my favorite events have been even no matter if they're just a small elopement on the side of a mountain somewhere they've always been when the bride and groom walked away feeling like everything you know everything that they ever wanted just happened you know i've had elopements literally on the side of mountains um where we had to hike and they wore just regular clothes we hiked up to them and then got dressed on the side of a mountain and it was just two of them and they you know had to change back and get all dirty coming down and all that and they absolutely loved it and those have been amazing, even for me, because not, you know, it wasn't about me making this big, crazy thing. It was just about how they felt at the end. And those are the ones, a lot of times they will like send me Christmas cards and, you know, all of that because, because of how they felt when they walked away from, me from their wedding. So those are always my favorite. And is there any detail that maybe your clients usually don't include in a wedding that you think they should include? wedding and this is really personal for me like every wedding that I um, am a part of I really try to make sure that there is some detail that is very personal for them so that yes walk away at the end of the day thinking oh that was so cute that they blah 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 or because I I don't want I I don't like when brides ask well how do they normally do it because I'm like we don't want we don't want to mimic you know there are some some norms you have a ceremony have your reception there's food. There are some norms that are very obvious, but 
personal as possible. Um, so if you guys met at the zoo, we've done weddings at the zoo before because they met at the zoo and their first date was there and they were amazing because it was so much of, we could incorporate like, this was their first kiss spot and this was their, and that was so personal to that couple. And all of their guests remember that, like they they were they were getting. We had all these Instagram photos from their guests of their first kiss spot where people couples were kissing there, and just different things like that. And those things are so important in a wedding. Um, I people will buy favors for the sake of okay, we have to have a favor for all of our guests, and it's just a generic thing and not very personal. And to me, things like that are are a waste of money. If you're going to do something that's a little more personal to your style, then I think that that's the way to go. Um, or something that this was, you know, this was the, the first, you know, I don't know, trying to think of something. Um, oh, we met at the beach. So there's like a little vial of sand or something like that at the beach. They met something like that to me, um, the way better route to go. So, um, so yeah, I'm just all like super all about if you're going to do anything like just think about how you can make it personal or it makes sense for the two of you as opposed to um just just well how do they normally go to how does, you know how does this go um so i wouldn't say that there's one thing that people miss or that don't do that they should or don't ask if you should but i think that the one big overlying thing that i would give to like all couples is make sure that they're even if they're it, it's not incorporated in in you know every single detail as long as there's something you know, that over overlays the whole event of, like, this is us coming together. Um, I think that is the most important piece. And it can be done in so many different ways that are that are subtle. Um, a couple of examples are, um, I had a couple one that they traveled all over the world together, and that was kind of their thing. They just like to travel all over the world. So instead of table numbers, their table numbers were photos of themselves at different places. So it was like, this is us in China. Success in Europe, the success, you know, in Michigan or whatever, they just had all the places that they had been together. And that was how they kind of incorporated their uniqueness in their event. But there's so, you can do it in favors and table numbers, in your vows, um, in all kinds of different, you know, taking both of, if you're two different ethnicities, taking a piece from both of your ethnicities and incorporating it into the ceremony. There's just so many ways to do it. But that is what you need to do for your wedding, no matter how big or small. It's just really important to make sure that it's um, a symbol of you guys coming together and, and yeah, and putting those things in there is important. And do you plan weddings out of state? I, I do. I plan weddings all over the world. So um, I'm really known as a destination wedding planner. Um, I do have, I have an office in Texas and I have an office in Hawaii. And I have a couple of planners that are in each of those places. So those are where we plan heavily. Um, but I do weddings in Greece. I do weddings in Europe. I do style shoots all over the world. So if you have anyone that is hearing this that is interested in doing like wedding style shoots or incorporating any of their products into wedding style shoots, um, I'm all about it. So, yeah, I'm doing a lot more stuff in France um, nowadays. We went there and did a, a wedding. And so I'm getting a lot more. I have a lot of photos from those things, and so people are starting to realize that that's a possibility, which I think um, people just think, oh, I'm getting married, I have to do it where I live, but there's totally, I mean, there's the world is your oyster. You can do it anywhere you want. If you've fallen in love with the place, then you should definitely consider having your wedding if it's something that you absolutely love. And do you have a favorite wedding venue? I have a favorite wedding venue for each city. <laughs> There's just so many amazing venues, and every place has its own, like, 
love. Um, I have a castle in France that's at my, hands down my favorite in um, in France for sure. And then um, in Texas, I have favorite, like it's just, they all have their own unique um, thing, characteristic, and they're all different. In Texas, I, there's a venue that looks like a, it's off the glass and it looks like an atrium or a, what is it called? Um, terrarium. No, what is the word for it? I'm trying to think of the word for it. It's all glass and it's basically a big glass greenhouse, but it's gorgeous. Um, you get all that natural light. It's just absolutely gorgeous, which is completely different than the castles that I love. So it really just, I, if, if a couple comes to me and says, what is your favorite for me? Then I could give them that, but I just have so many, I have so many favorites for so many different reasons. I could never pinpoint it to just one. Do you have any like crazy event planning stories? Oh my gosh. Um, I have had, I have tons. I've been planning events now for, I was, I was 25 when I really started planning events and 27 when I opened my company. Um, and so I've definitely had my fair share of just ridiculousness happens from, from families being racist and then, you know, having carrying that over into the wedding, which is never fun (laughs) (laughs) to, um, people falling off of mountains (laughs) to just all kinds of crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. But I think that the hardest thing about, um, events is having all, you have so many different, characters and so many different types of people that come to every single event that sometimes that can be really difficult and from that comes a little bit of crazy um (laughs) so um i hate to tell a crazy story and then someone be like i was at that wedding i know that person um but yeah those those are the typically the reasons why things get a little a little net jealousy sometimes that's totally a thing at weddings um i've had I've actually had a bride fist fight her sister at the end of the night once. Um, that was a little nuts. And um, you learn from all those things, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was, I think that probably was the most insane, um, probably, story. Because normally things don't get physical. Um, you know, I, I want to say there's only been two weddings out of, gosh, thousands at you know, this long where I have actually seen anything get physical. It's normally, you know, there there are measures in place to be able to take care of that. But you, ne- you never assume the bride is gonna that's gonna happen with the bride. Um, so that was that was definitely a little bit a uh, little bit difficult, a little trickier to handle. You can't kick a bride out of her own <laughs> out of her own <laughs> wedding. So yeah. Is there anything that you wish your clients would know before they start planning their wedding? Um. I think that the thing that hits most people the hardest is realizing how much things for weddings cost. Um, I will give this little tip, and a lot of wedding professionals don't like that I say this, but I think that it's really important for people before they start planning their wedding. Um, Do not, as much as possible, when you're searching for things to purchase for your wedding, like your, your champagne glasses and your cake conserver and just different elements on your wedding that you are purchasing. Um, if you can leave out the word wedding on things, so if you, instead of putting wedding toasting glasses or wedding champagne flutes, just put 
champagne flutes. If you want them to have some, like a crystal or something like that on it, just search that without the word wedding, without the word bride, without, and you'll nine times out of 10 be able to find that thing at like 50% off of what they would charge you if it says the word wedding in it. A lot of people that are in the wedding industry hate that I say that because they feel like they can charge a, a premium price attaching the word wedding things and for me I'm on the I am a client for my brides and so I want to make sure that you're going to get the absolute best product for the best price and if you're getting legitimately the same product for a a less expensive price I'm going to tell you to go that route so I would say that while at the very beginning stages if there are things like products and items that you're purchasing try to search for it leaving the word wedding off and see what you can find if you can find the identical product and i think you guys will be amazed at how much money you can save just using that one tip and did you did you get married did you plan your own wedding you know what's really funny is i i am married i've been married for five years we got married on the side of a mountain here in Hawaii and um, without any family being eloped and planned on, I have our whole wedding already planned, but my husband is Air Force. And so that has been really tricky for us. He gets deployed once a year. And so the wedding that I have planned for myself hasn't even happened because of that. So. Um, so yeah, I know it's, it's kind of crazy. People assume that, oh my God, I bet your wedding, your wedding was you know, out of this world. And it will be <laughs> when it happens, but it hasn't even that part of the wedding. We, you know, we've been married. We have a two-year-old now. Um, so, but that part of the wedding hasn't happened. I actually have a, an amazing designer. He's in New York now. But he did live on Maui, um, which is a, an island married in Hawaii. And um, he had actually started, he sketched my gown out. We were going to design the whole thing from the ground up. And I um, got pregnant the month after we had got that whole thing started so between my husband leaving all the time me getting pregnant with my son you know and all of that it's just I think maybe at our 10 year you know vow renewal will be when we have our real real wedding but it's coming it's coming (laughs) (laughs) and I love to know okay so how do you create such beautiful events like your events look like they're straight out of Pinterest like how do you do that (laughs) um you know what I really try to when I meet with a bride for the first time I really try to get the idea of a norm out of her head at the very very beginning because like I said before I really love for things to be very unique for the bride and groom so instead of thinking of it as a wedding we're thinking of it as what are all of your favorite things what are the things that make you guys unique and we kind of start from a place of uniqueness as opposed to saying, okay, here's our church, here's our da-da-da, here's our, let's try to incorporate all this. We start from, how did you guys meet? What do you love about this person? What do you, and we work our way from there, which makes the event start off on on a platform that's totally different than other other weddings. So if they, if they're, you know, are planned on having this big, huge wedding and they don't even like half of these people, we start from, okay, what, and they're like, well, we like to travel by ourselves. Okay, well, let's start there. Oh, well, we really love the beach. Okay, well, let's, you know, and we kind of create it from there. Because I've had people that have planned on having huge weddings. And then once we talked about it, the idea of having a huge wedding completely stressed them out. And they didn't want to do it. And they were doing it just because someone told them that they needed to do it because they know all these people. And so when it came down to it, we ended up having an amazing elopement. Um, 
there were, it was in a little bit, but there were about 20 people. It was like their very closest friends and their parents and stuff like that. And it was at sunset on a beach and they went off and did this crazy photo shoot. It was amazing. And they were so happy that we had gone that route. And so a lot of my really unique things come from however unique the couple is. And we just start there and work our way from there. It's, it's definitely a different process that any other wedding planner um, has because normal wedding planners want it to be this big, great thing every time. And I'm a little different in the fact that I want it to be about you guys and what you guys really, really want and how what's going to make you happiest at the end of that day so that you're not at the end of the day exhausted saying, oh, my God, we, we're now, you know, $100,000 in debt and that was it, you know. So I really hate, you know, the thought of, of doing that to people or having people go into debt or, you know, have their run their family, friends and family in the ground um, trying to pay for $20,000 in flowers and, they're, and that's not even, you know, what they ultimately really, really wanted for the two of them, you know? Mm. So, so yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I answered that question, yeah. but that's how we, so we can really start with them and then work our way backwards from there. Yeah. I'd love to know, how did you get into TikTok? Oh, TikTok. You know, it's really funny. Um, I am very heavily involved in social media on all, on all platforms. I mean, on LinkedIn, on Pinterest, we're super heavy in Pinterest. Um, you know, we've got uh, every single, we've got Snapchat, we've got all this stuff, um, for my personal and for my business. And, um, my brother had gotten into TikTok and I kept hearing about it and kept seeing, you know, stuff on Instagram and all that stuff kind of popping up. And, you know, I thought, okay, musically, I've heard about musically before. I thought, okay, it's a dance app. And then my brother, he does comedy and he like got on there and did this little, and I was like, oh, he didn't even dance. He was like, it's. It's an app. You don't have to do. You don't have to do these. You know everything that it tells you to do. Like you can, if you don't dance, then you just don't dance. You know, it's just like Instagram or Facebook or anything else. And so then I was like, oh, okay, let me check. And I looked at him and checked this out. And I was like, oh, this is literally just like any other platform. It's just the the context is a little bit different. And um, so I was like, oh, well, I want to make one. I didn't realize. You know, I thought it was just dancing. Um, so I got on and started to, I loved the little voiceover people doing really silly things because um, on all my other platforms, everything is very polished. You know, it's weddings, very visual and different things like that. It's nothing really that shows my personal personality because um, it's not about me, right? And when I'm doing people's weddings, it's about their wedding and what they want to see, you know, because I'm showcasing what it is that we want to give them. Um, but for this, it was a little different. I was like, oh, that's very personal. So long story short, I just kind of jumped on and did some silly things um, pertaining to weddings, like the wedding stress that comes with the whole planning process and just did some really silly things and it started to jump off. And I thought, and it was also one of those, one of those things where it was just fun to interact with uh, people. And I love, I really love people. And you can tell through everything that I do that I'm just such a people person. Um, so I love the, the funny comments and the interactions that I was getting with people that weren't necessarily like our other platforms where Pinterest, you know, people just want to see stuff. They're not, they're not interested in you. They're not interested in your personality, but it was really fun to kind of switch that on TikTok and really be silly and show a little bit of personality and have people react to that as opposed to like, where's the flowers, you know, <laughs> we're on here you know different types of you know because that's what instagram is right people are trying to get ideas for the events different things like that so um yeah totally different and i think now our business one 
you know, the business one is up to like 58,000 followers and a couple million likes and stuff like that. So it's definitely, people are definitely, it's definitely different um, than our than our other platforms. But that's how I kind of got started. I, I just started by being completely authentic and just silly and, you know, kind of following the, the trends of what the app was, you know, what we were doing and um, just kind of grew itself from there. And how long did it take you to get to 54,000? Oh, um, I've been on since February, the very beginning of February. So what is that, about 10 weeks, 12 weeks, something like that to get to, look at it, like I think we're at like 58,000 now. So it's definitely been a matter of uh, weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, something in that range um, to be able to get there. But I have put a lot of... um, I have definitely put a lot of effort into it. It's not one of those things that you just kind of, oh, set it and forget it. Like Instagram kind of is one of those platforms. It's definitely an, a platform you want to be very involved and um, interactive in because um, everyone is on it. Everyone's looking at it. Everyone's, you know, there's lives and all these other things. It's, it's not like the other platforms that you can um, kind of just leave and let it do its own thing. You really do want to uh, be very interactive. So at one point we were posting uh, about four times the day um it definitely tapers tapers it's tapered off a little bit now i think we're at like two two to three times a day um but there's just so many tips and information it's a, a different platforms so of different people um that are on tiktok or people that have not seen our instagram so they're not getting you know the blogs and the tips and all that stuff so kind of transferring changing the way that we uh, approach it and putting the tips that we think are very important on to TikTok is kind of where we are now. So we have tons, I mean, years and years and years worth of blogs and all that information that we're trying to now slim down into little bite-sized pieces to be able to put them on TikTok. Along with, you know, being fun, because TikTok is super fun and having that element too, but uh, that's kind of where we are. That's why, that's the way, that's the reason that I can post so much, is there's, we have so much content already on other platforms that we're just kind of doing it the TikTok way and throwing it on um, on our TikTok. And I know for some people here, very ah, you posted four times a day. How in the world are you posting, you know, four times a day? That is the, the way that I did it. And how often do you interact with a lot of different accounts? Do you just post videos? What type of stuff do you, you do? You know, um, I interact on lives more than anything. I definitely do respond to, um, to, comments on posts but the way that I really interact is not going to other people's and like leaving comments because I don't feel like that's enough to be able to give people because for us they're asking or for me you know they're asking very specific wedding questions what should I do during coronavirus and 30 words is not enough to be able to interact and give them you know meat and potatoes of what they really need to know so a lot of times I when I interact it's like hey I'll go live on this time or I'll make another tip for this and then I, I utilize my lives to be able to really, really interact because they really only give you so much, you know. Um, it's not enough to give any real information, and I want to be able to get as much information out as possible. So, yes, my lives are where I really, really uh, do a lot of interacting. And do you think it's good to, like, niche down on TikTok? A hundred percent. When I first started, I was kind of all over the place, and I will say that for growth, you really need to train the algorithm on who exactly, not kind of, but who exactly your tribe is. 
So when I first got on, I was liking it's so much funny content. Oh my god! I and I I love to laugh. I love comedy. Every time I go out of town, I go to a comedy show at whatever um, place I'm at. So I just absolutely love to laugh. So TikTok for me was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Uh, so much good content, new, fresh, funny stuff, and little bite size. You know, because I don't have a lot of time either. So little bite size. So it was. I was in love with it. But I was liking stuff all over the board. Just um, everything was funny. I was interested in everything. Um, so, but I really, really had to hone in and niche down on my business account, that one that I really focused on growth. I had to niche down and say, okay, I, because the algorithm is looking at everything you do. Are you liking this? Are you commenting on this? Do you think it's funny? And that's how it's feeding you um, what it is that it thinks that you like, right? So if you're liking stuff all over the place and say, oh, this girl likes everything, they're just going to throw everything at you. And in turn, they're going to shoot your stuff out to everyone also. So niching down really streamlines who is seeing your stuff and what you think. So you really have to pay very close attention on the things that you're liking, um, who you are interacting with, and all of that, and make sure that that's all on your niche. So it, it basically solidifies who your tribe is and who you want to see your stuff and who they want to send. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense at all, but doing that makes such a big difference. Um, I definitely, at one point I was seeing, um, I had one week where I had 3,500 followers in a day and 1,200 followers in a day. And it was that a whole week, I think we grew like, uh, something crazy, like 15,000, 20,000 in a week, because I was very specific about everything I did that week. I posted, I posted only these hashtags. I, you know, I just was very specific about the niche and it made a difference. So so have you noticed any, like, Instagram growth directly from TikTok? You know, I definitely have. Um, i honestly very surprised at the growth that I've seen on all of the platforms, Just re- and it's directly related, related to TikTok. I'm not really... Um, I'm not really 100% comfortable with our... Uh, YouTube. I have not put a lot of effort into it at all. Um, I, at one point, was doing walkthroughs and stuff like that at venues, and I was handing them off to uh, my assistant, and I was like, let's put some stuff on YouTube, and I just am not happy with the way it turned out at all. Some stuff is on there, but I'm starting to see people go to our YouTube as well, and their subscribers, and I'm like, oh, our YouTube is horrible. Why are you taking it on our YouTube? Um, so, but I've seen so much growth, and we probably have got 100 new followers on Instagram, and it's you know it's been a couple weeks and Instagram is a is there it's a tough crowd it's mm-hmm. really hard to grow on Instagram even even with I mean we've got you know millions of dollars worth of weddings on um, Instagram and it's still it's just such a tough crowd um, but yeah so a hundred followers to me from you know directly leading over to Instagram is is a big deal just because of the work that we do put in Instagram that doesn't see anything near, you know, um, that type of growth. Even though for some people on that on Instagram, that's probably nothing. But for us, we don't see that very often. It's very, you know, onesie, twosie, a day type of thing. So, um, but like I said, it's bled over into our YouTube, which is, which is not, I'm not the proudest of right now. It's gone into our Instagram. Um, we even have, Snapchat followers, and we don't do a lot on Snapchat, 
Um, but we even have new Snapchat followers that have come directly from this uh, platform. So it's very interesting to see. I really am now calling it the gateway drug because it's interesting to see people, they want to see more of you or what you do or they're interested in the other side of it and they completely transfer over and end up following these other accounts. And that is not, we're on everything. Um, not really hardcore on YouTube and not really super hardcore on Snapchat, but really heavy in LinkedIn, Facebook, you know, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Pinterest for sure. Um, so we've never, with all of that, even our blogs, we've never seen all of these in one platform filter in people that are professionals or that, are, that are in business feel like TikTok is, they don't take TikTok seriously. Um, which is definitely going to, once on the tail end of this, once everything plays out the way it's going to with TikTok, um, and they do finally take it seriously, they're going to be behind the curve, you know? So um, it's very interesting to see the work that you put into TikTok bleed over and be so cool in the other platforms also. And for someone who's like just starting off on TikTok, how many videos do you think they should post per day? Um, it really depends on your niche. If you are doing, some people have very intricate um, videos where they're jumping and it looks like they're flying and it, you know that it took them eight hours. I would never tell someone, you know, that was like that. Like, you need to be posting four videos a day. Like, it's not even really possible. But those videos go, go viral so well because you know that they took a lot of effort. And so for them, I'm like, you know, once every three days is fine for you. For someone that's like me, where I'm very information-based, or where I have a lot of content already, because I've heard worth the videos, like little clips of weddings and behind the scenes and stuff like that. For someone that isn't something that's similar, workout tips, stuff like that, I would post two to four times a day if I can. Um, I, I, it's definitely not going to hurt you. Uh, but yeah, it totally depends. If you're like heavy into makeup and it takes you three hours to do your makeup, then, you know, by all means, post once a day, once every two days, and I think that's just fine. But you definitely have to know your niche to know what makes sense for your platform and, and not under, don't go under, but definitely you don't want to go overboard if it's something that just, like, doesn't make sense for your, for your tribe. You got to know your tribe for sure. And is there a story behind your company's name? You know, I was 27 when I did it. <laughs> um, my name, Shava, the name Shava actually means life, and Vita means life also in a different language. So, um, so I was always drawn to, um, I feel like names really, really important. Um, so I was always drawn to names that had anything to do with life or living or anything like that. Just uh, my, whole, my whole entire life, <laughs> I've always been... Um, just other, uh, even other people's names that have uh, some sort of meaning behind them that has life in it. Um, the name Jeanne, J-H-E-N-E, means uh, the daughter of life, and my name means the mother of life. And I didn't know that, but I was always drawn to that name, and that's the reason. So long story short, Vida means life, and my name means life, and so that's the reason that um, that happened. And then Sheik, um, Sheik has everything to do with the product that I put out. Everything that I do is kind of Sheik. Um, that's what my whole, you know, my whole life, I'm very interested in, like, aesthetics being a certain way and being very chic and um, elegant and inviting. Um, and so, yeah, it just kind of, my company really did kind of name itself. I know that later on it was it was very difficult because no one understood what Vita Chic was. Because um, it does, I mean, 
even if you stay the chic life, like that doesn't mean anything to people. So putting weddings and events later on, adding that onto my name um, legally was really important to make people understand. That was kind of the background behind it. Um, if you are out there and you're and you're trying to name the company or you're you're you know dabbling in things like that, I would definitely stick to something that sticks out in people's heads because um, I don't you know it's been almost you know it's been uh, eight nine years now and so I would never you know never change my name now because it does have a lot of relevance um, now but it took a lot of work to fight through. Um, the name that was very difficult. I know that it deterred clients because they don't know what it means or what it says. Or if you if you look at a name and you're trying to call someone and then you look at their name and you're like, what is up? It definitely deters you from that. So I would definitely suggest if you are going to name your company something that, um, or you're looking at names for, for everything, for your podcast, for your blog, making sure that it's something that sticks out in their head and is not confusing is really important because you want everything Everything that you do, you want it to be inviting. Any touch point, you want it to be easy for people and inviting for people and not something that seems too too difficult or too standoffish. Like, I know that there are people that probably don't come to us because they're like, uh, they're too hoity-toity or they're too whatever, um, simply because of the name. So, um, I now I love it because I've, I've built it, but it, there definitely was a period where it was very difficult because people couldn't pronounce it, didn't make sense to them, and all of that. So I would definitely give those, that tip to anyone that's trying to do their own thing or trying to make you know, in the Navy process of anything. What were your 20s like? Oh, goodness. Um, my early 20s, I was still kind of bopping around between um, careers. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I was homeschooled almost my entire life. And so getting into my 20s, I was like, you know, on my own and trying to bop it around between careers and different things like that. And really, really was a time for me to kind of, I know people say find yourself, but really explore things. Because I, I knew myself as a person, but it was definitely trying to explore like what I wanted to do with myself. Um, so my 20s, I think that people think once you get to your 30s, it's all figured out. But I will let you know right now, mid-30s, and I will tell you. You never figure it out. You're always kind of feeling like you're fighting through, you know, fighting your way out of a paper bag. Um, so settle in. If you're feeling like that, just settle in because you're going to feel like <laughs> the rest of your life, um, especially if you're a creative. I know because uh, our brains are just all we have so many things that we want to do and so many different ideas that we're always working through something um, to get to the next thing. So, um but yeah, my 20s for the most part was the very beginning. I was kind of trying to find myself. Then I started um, in what my career is now and really loved it and really put a lot um, of time and effort into it. Um, I don't think I slept more than three hours at all my entire 20s between really trying to build build something and then also um, and be free and and. You know, I was in and out of relationships and different things like that. So it definitely was a time for me to really explore the world, explore people, you know, decide who my real tribe was. I know that for a while, trying to figure out the group of people um, that you want to be associated with and just want to be around, who you vibe with, is so important. Um, I'm a people person, so I popped around a lot, and I was like, "Oh, I like these people. Oh, I like the hip hop crowd. I like the, you know." And um, and 
really, I mean, I love, I love all people, but really finding my tribe of people that, that helped me thrive and become like a better person. I know that sounds super cliche and you're, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, that was really important for me to be able to like, I kind of develop myself as a person and then also my business. Um, because finding people that encourage you, um, is so important. And I, and for a while I was in a group of people that were all very competitive and I thought that that in itself, oh, that, well, that's encouraging. That pushes me too. But, um, but jealousy and things definitely take over. Um, and so, yeah, finding a crowd that's going to encourage you in the right way um, and push you in the way that you specifically need to be pushed because everyone is different. Um, people are, my husband is very, very encouraged by people trying to discourage him. Um, in his job, you know, if people are, are discouraging or if he has an idea and someone else does it, they take his, they kind of push it aside and do the, the same thing but some, because someone else says it. Um, he's very encouraged by that and that lights his fire. That does not light my fire. That pisses me off um, and it's very discouraging for me. So you got to figure out for yourself what is going to move you forward if you need to meditate in the mornings, if you need to whatever, just figure that out and then things start to settle in place from there. And if you could go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, what advice would you give her? This is a good one. 20-year-old self. Hey, guys. Um, okay. 20-year-old self. What advice would I give my 20-year-old self? I think I would give my 20-year-old self some room to breathe. And, like, you feel you're always – everyone's always so hard on themselves. And especially now, there's all this motivate. There's all these motivational books and lean in and do this and do that. Wake up at 5. You need to give yourself room to really, like – Figure out what works for you and um, and not squeeze yourself into all these little boxes. I was actually talking to my brother about this yesterday. I feel all of these motivational books and all this stuff, like, they're great. But I have now been, for years, been trying to fit myself into the, I got to wake up at 4.30 every day and get my 1.2 hour workout in and then I have to read three hours out of a book and then I have to, you know, I've been trying to fit myself because this is the way that, you know, this, this is the way that every billionaire does this or this is the way I think I would tell my 20 year old self, find out, like figure out the rhythm that works for you and then put yourself into, into place to be able to like establish that rhythm and keep that rhythm up instead of trying to fit yourself into, uh, into these little boxes because you're getting so much instruction from literally all over the place from social media oh you're supposed to this new haircut this new dance this new app this is what's gonna you know and it's just like there it's overwhelming and it's almost to the point of like depression where you're like i can't do all this shit you know like there's literally no way so for me personally i would definitely tell myself i'm trying to fit yourself into a box you're gonna find like don't don't get discouraged because you haven't found the thing that you're doing or that you're supposed to whatever your calling is or whatever. Just it's gonna play out like it's supposed to play out. Just work on yourself to where you can get to a place where it make you know things make sense for you. So I know you started a business in your twenties. What was that process like? Yeah, um, 
I started my business when I was 27. It kind of started itself, right? Because I had done that wedding and then, um, and then from there kind of fell in love with it. So, um, I, it's really funny when I quit my job, it kind of, my business, you know, she could kind of grown enough to where I could quit my job. And, um, and one day I walked into the office and we were having a meeting and my, um, director told me that I was going to be adopting a whole nother department, um, alcohol actually. And, um, cause I was just doing catering and events and he said, Oh, you're going to take over the alcohol. You're going to take over bars and all of that other stuff. And, um, and I asked what kind of pay raise I was going to get. And he said, no, that's your job. You do what I tell you to do. And I put my two weeks in that day because <laughs> I was like, well, I've already started, um, building a business and I, you know, thinking I knew everything and I've already started a business. I don't need this. Um, but yeah, this is going to be easy. I've already started it. Things are already moving. I don't need this job. They clearly don't, you know, respect me and whatever, whatever. And I quit and, and uh, kind of shifted over into my business full time. I knew everything because I thought, well, I've run this department for, you know, for years at this point. I think it had been like six or seven years. So I was like, I, I can do this, no problem, and jumped out and was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I am now the marketing person. I am now the CPA. You know, I'm the accountant. I'm the social media person. And I'm the actual wedding planner. I actually have to plan weddings, too. Um, and it was just um, after the realization of, I just started a business, and I am every part of the business. Whereas my job, I was doing, I was planning events. And then opening a business, I was literally the whole business. And so um, I think when people see other, you know, people starting business, especially online with social media, they think, oh, that must be so easy. Sign a few, you know, papers, and then I've got my business started. And the whole, if you build it, they will come, pops in your head. Yeah, I started a business. I'm going to make money from my business. But it's, it's not necessarily like that. So it definitely was a very uh, trying period in my life because I had to quit my job. There was no way, you know, there's no way I was going back to that because <laughs> I was like, I can't now, you know, go back after this big, you know, fiery, um, you know, I quit my two weeks in today. I could not go back right after that point. So um, it was very difficult. And I definitely think that if anyone out there is considering starting their own business, I would give yourself grace with yourself. You need to know that there is a learning curve. <laughs> the learning curve to everything. And so figuring out one thing really well, checking that off the list. Okay, I've got my social media going. Let's get on the, you know, this part of it and getting that done and moving on. As opposed to what I did, was, which was try to take everything on at once and say, well, I can do this. I've done it for this other company. I can do this. And, uh, and giving yourself grace and knowing that no one is good, is no one is perfect at anything the first time you do it or the second time or third time or fourth time you just gotta keep working at that thing checking it off the list and then moving on because otherwise you'll run yourself crazy that's how lots of businesses go out of business so soon is they realize oh my god i have the weight of my world of the world on my shoulders all at once right now um and they try to attack everything all at once but just giving yourself grace taking one thing at a time is going to be the way um that you can get through it. So that, that, that's the, I had to learn that cause I definitely took the wrong approach at the very beginning. Um, and now, you know, it's a little different now, but yeah, that's how it started off. So yeah. For doing this, I really appreciate you taking the time. Yep, um, where can people connect with you? 
every social media platform that's in existence I'm on. Um, but I love, love, love TikTok right now. I'm super enjoying everything that's happening on TikTok. So I'm B-I-D-A, C-H-I-C, events on TikTok, and then on every other pl- platform. Uh, the one thing that's good about having a very unique name is no one ever has it. And if they're looking for you, they can find you. They're not searching for you. So that is one thing that is good about having a, a more unique uh, name. So, yeah, so it's the one thing. It's the one <laughs> thing that makes it amazing. So that is where you can connect with me. And I'm on I'm on Instagram pretty regularly. Um, I'm on TikTok every day. I'm going to try to do lives a lot more often on TikTok as well. So that's me. Where you can find me. I'm on all the time. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.